Hey folks, this is Gary Horn here and just uh, wanted to run by a few housekeeping notes for you before we get started. This is an episode leading us right into the Crockett Cup 2019. I wanted to put this addendum on there just to be perfectly honest with you folks. Had some people over, we hung out, we watched the thing and just like all in, got a little tipsy during the process. Now it is not detrimental to the actual show. I think if you listen to it, everything flows fine. It's not, it's not like a huge deal, but I just want to give you a heads up because I'm probably running a little slower, a little less sharp than I normally would have. And believe me, I have learned my lesson for sure this time. No more drinking before or during recording. I mean, if it was my real job, especially, I wouldn't want that to happen. And really, it is kind of a job now because you guys are out there listening and counting on me to deliver quality content. And I love communicating with you. And if I want to keep that relationship healthy, I got to stop doing that. So I'm sure nobody was going to judge me harshly. You folks are always super, super nice. But I just wanted to jump on here and tell you what was going on there. Like, there's certain points I just, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I can hear it in my own voice. But uh, it just, it irritates irritates me that I did that and I just wanted to come up on here and apologize ahead of time and just say that if you can tell then I I'm really sorry like I said maybe it's not noticeable but anyway this is my form of an apology and just trying to say that I want to be better for you guys and thank you so much for listening I really am grateful to have everybody on board we've got some cool stuff coming up super excited about this next chapter in the NWA's history I can't wait to just experience it all with you Again, thanks so much for listening, and please enjoy the show on Crockett Cup 2019. Gary Horde, and this is the NWA, a podcast celebrating the past, the present, the future, the history, the legacy, the tradition, all of it about one of the greatest pro wrestling entities of all time. You know what I'm talking about, the National Wrestling Alliance. And in this episode, we are talking about the Crockett Cup 2019, a revisit to one of what I think might be the best pay-per-views of the year 2019. And to do that, I have enlisted the assistance of two past guests from YouTube Rewatches. You know his voice. You've heard him multiple times. One of those is Fred Sims. I told y'all he was making me live under this table. He lives here now, <laughs> and he keeps coming back. But we're also going all There's the way. There's a couch right there. No, he won't let me lay on the couch. couch. It's under the table. Until I have something worthwhile to say, that's where I live. (laughs) I don't want to smell him on that couch. It's true. It's probably smelly. Used to be my couch. Wait, the couch or me? The couch. Oh, couch. Me also. Yeah. It used to be my couch. Yeah, it did. And now it's covered in my stank. Before that, it belonged to my in-laws. So who knows? Oh, way back stank. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like Bunny's mom and me. (laughs) (laughs) That other voice you're hearing is a callback all the way to the very first YouTube rewatch, and that is my co-host on the Psychotronic Film Society podcast at Psychotronic Pod on all the major podcast platforms. We'll cover that again later. It's Justin Bishop. Hey, thanks for finally inviting me back. Yeah, Justin Bishop is finally back, and uh, and tonight, fellas, we watched the Crockett Cup. Yeah, six hours of wrestling tonight. <laughs> 
It was not six hours, but it is a long pay per view. It's like three and a half hours. It's that's long. That's almost uh, WrestleMania length. Yeah, I agree. Well, I don't I mean, know. One of the longer NWA offerings. Yeah. It that definitely, we've seen. I, I would say, probably is the unlike, longest NWA. Offering, unlike most but. the past few years of WrestleMania, though, it did not feel like it was nearly four hours long. That's good. Yeah, no, uh, it flows very well. Yeah, because because WrestleMania literally that four hours feels like it goes on for days. Well, I, honestly, I haven't seen WWE since that WrestleMania. I haven't either. I've, wa- <laughs> I've watched a couple YouTube clips, but I haven't watched a single episode. I've That's watched the some same- NXT, maybe. Maybe. No, I don't have the network anymore. Yeah, I got rid of the network. I listened to recaps. But uh, the network would provide you with access to a lot of old NWA stuff. It is a debate that I'm having in my head to this day. Depending on how this podcast flows, that Do- if I need to eventually... Like, well, we want You'll to give your dig- $10 a month to Vince McMahon. Yeah, again. if we want to dig back into some past if stuff. The, if it makes you feel better, that $10 don't mean a lick of difference. <laughs> to Vince McMahon's pocketbook. It really doesn't. It is not. And this is also I know it's a, a great thing, opportunity <laughs> to just beg your listeners to give you 10 bucks to go back and review that stuff. You want to hear it, give Gary $10. Let's all let's start all, a Patreon. That's for Gary's, $10. Gary's monthly goal pay is for $10. T- pay for Gary's WWE <laughs> network account <laughs> so that we can talk about old NWA shows. And it's even going to be more important with their upcoming studio shows because a lot of those are on the network. So. Yeah. I mean, it is important. But anyway, that's not important for right now because what happened now, like I said, on the pop-up show, we've kind of moved past the YouTube rewatch. We're just now just like hitting these major Is the YouTube portions. rewatch done? Are we done? Yeah, we're pretty pretty caught up here. Episode 52 the, or so. so like. I could fit in one more. That's what she said. For, any, <laughs> for anybody willing, I, I could fit in one more uh, episode probably worth of content before we hit the like actual new show that they're starting with some introductions to some new people that are, are, are part of the NWA. Everything after the Crockett Cup is pretty set in stone to how things are, except for the national title picture. And they had a relationship with Ring of Honor at this time of the Crockett Cup that is it, it has dissolved. So Unfortunately. Um, yeah. They are actually like now signing talent exclusively to them so this uh main event for this pay-per-view we watched is a an anomaly now it's it's weird uh, a thing spun out of this that well we'll talk about it afterwards i, I think it'll be worth talking about at the end but okay let's talk about the crockett cup 2019 i'm just gonna go jump right into i'm gonna i'm gonna reference some things here but i'm gonna i'm gonna go to wikipedia just to give you an overview. The Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Cup Tag Team Tournament, aka the Crockett Cup, is a tag better. Yeah. Is a tag team professional wrestling tournament that was first held in April 1986. The National Wrestling Alliance member Jim Crockett Promotions, headed by Jim Crockett Jr., hosted the Crockett Cup, and it was held in honor of his father, the founder, Jim Crockett Sr., and saw the participation of teams from various NWA territories. They held the tournament again in 1987 and in 1988, before it was sold to Ted Turner later that year. They also held like a, a slightly like separate tournament after that that was uh, called the Crockett Foundation Cup Tag Team Tournament. It was like an attempt to carry it on, but... We're not really going to count that. When it was sold to Ted Turner, obviously everything became WCW Mm -hmm. as we know it now. 
The original concept of the Crockett Cup was a single elimination tag team tournament with the storyline prize of $1 million given to the winning team along with the large trophy known as the Crockett Cup. In 1986 and 1987, the tournaments featured 24 teams, while the 1988 version had 22 teams competing. Each tournament was split over two shows to encompass all 23 tournament matches as well as non-tournament matches. And in 1986, the show was held in the afternoon and in an evening. So it was like separated in like two That's parts a lot of, of matches. That is. Yeah. That would have been a very long pay-per-view. Yeah. Otherwise, it was spread out over two days. Right. October 2018, during the NWA 70th anniversary show, which we've already covered. You can go back and listen to that. It was announced that the Crockett Cup would be returning in 2019. It was later revealed that the event would take place in April 27, 2019 at the Carabas or Cabarrus. Carabas, Sorry. Italian Grill. It was an awkward night for people trying to have dinner. <laughs> <laughs> at the Cabarrus Arena, Concord, North Carolina, the event would be co-produced by the NWA and Ring of Honor. The only other build-up you need is that the NWA New Year's Clash, the War Kings, Crimson and Jack Stain, defeated Caleb Conley and Jay Bradley to become the first team to qualify for the 2019 Crockett Cup. From January 24th to January 26th, Ring of Honor held a 12-team tag war tournament as part of their road to G1 Supercar Tour of Texas. Villain Enterprises won the three-day tournament by defeating the Kingdom in the first round, the Bouncers, and then the team of Kenny King and MVP in the second round and Lifeblood in MVP. the finals. Yeah, MVP, look at that. That like the the MVP that I'm thinking of. Yeah, I think WWE so. MVP. Ballin? Yeah. Yep. Oh. And they earned a spot at the Crockett Cup as well as a match for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship. Wait, when was all this taking place? This was all during uh, January of 2019. Okay. And then on February 8th, 2019, it was announced that Ring of Honor Partner Promotions Consejo Mundial de Lucha Libre (CMLL) out of Mexico and New Japan Pro Wrestling would also be sending teams to the 2019 Crockett Cup. And so that is the story of sort of how we got to where we are here. It's a tag team tournament. The NWA, like if you were following along on the NWA's YouTube channel, there are, uh, I think I said, I sent to you guys like 10 pounds of gold, episode number 48, all the way to episode number 52, kind of cover the build up to this event. Uh, the main buildup that you're going to see, actually, is the idea of uh, Marty Skrull versus Nick Aldis, who were very good friends. And if you watch the show, you'll see a lot of highlight packages of that same exact stuff. Nick Aldis wanted to enter the Crockett Cup. He asked Marty Skrull to be his partner. Marty Skrull decided, I'd rather fight you for the championship. So that kind of fell apart, and that built up them competing for the uh, 10 pounds of gold also in this event. If anybody's interested in a little bit more history on that Crockett Cup, the winners previously included in 1986, it was won by the Road Warriors. In 1987, it was a group called the Superpowers, which was Nikita Koloff and Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. And in 1988, the event was won by Sting and Lex Luger. What were they called? They were just Sting, Sting and, and Lex, Lex Luger. <laughs> <laughs> and so... They had lost all creativity by 1988. 
It was. I'm always a little disappointed when a tag team, even when it's two like individual guys coming together to make a tag team, don't have a cool tag team name. It's like just two guys. It's like it makes it feel like less of a team. Dude. Well, I mean, I used to get upset like back in the day when WWF was going on and Brock and Stone Cold would take on, I don't know, DX or somebody. And I'm like, obviously DX would be better than Rock and Stone Cold because Rock and Stone Cold don't know each other right, as right. well. As, yeah, they're as not as a tag team. Yeah. yeah. Shawn Michaels and Triple H, or even the New Age Outlaws, whoever you're talking about, they should be better at tag team wrestling than these other guys. So, anyway, I just thought I'd establish that. They used to frustrate me is when I was uh, coming up in my wrestling days, I would always be like, the tag team should be better than two random single wrestlers. Yeah, but those two random single wrestlers being The Rock and Stone Cold. Yeah, okay. That's a, yeah, a little bit more I, That is a bit of an or the anomaly. Rock and Mick Foley, who did have a name. Yeah. Anyway, this is not a WWE podcast. So <laughs> Yet. Let's get back on track here. <laughs> come on. <laughs> we'll come back. <laughs> when they buy us out, like they will everyone. <laughs> anyway, so. You're going to be on the network doing an NWA podcast and still have to pay $10 a month. <laughs> I know. This was the NWA. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so anyway, we're going to talk about the 2019 Crockett Cup. So literally, almost to the year, like a little bit more, but 20 years later, uh, the Crockett Cup was a thing. Uh, Fred, you you heard 20, me talk 30. about Oh, it is 30. Yeah. You're right. 31, I actually, but yes. Yeah, like 31 years later, they uh, Billy Corgan's new NWA decides to bring back the Crockett Cup. And it was because people still remembered the Crockett Cup. It was... A popular thing in its time. The time it only that, happened three times previously? But yeah, it only happened three times. Hmm. Fred, you you know probably from the NWA 70 thing. I've mentioned two things that I really love in wrestling. One is tag teams. One is tournaments. So super stoked for the Crockett <laughs> Cup. I'm all for it. We, we talked about already the War Kings. And uh, they announced the Rock and Roll Express were coming back for the Crockett Cup, who were in the, I think, the original Crockett Cup. And they did a nice video package for Josephus saying that he was returning to the NWA after his loss to uh, David Arquette and Tim Storm, where he is, his head was shaved and his beard was shaved. And I only mention that because that leads us right into the first match, which is... They had all the teams set up, but they needed one wild card team to enter the tournament. So they held a battle royal, which is how this show starts. Josephus obviously teams with Jay Bradley, who is on the pop-up event that we have covered previously. It, Unrecognizable Josephus. Yeah, that's that's kind of the thing. That was the only That other Josephus would sell you an encyclopedia, like door to door. I was, mean I'd want him to put a shirt on, but Door-to-door encyclopedia salesman Josephus. I don't know. I think he'd have more success just in his black underwear. (laughs) (laughs) It it opens, literally, you get introduced to Joe Galley, Jim Cornette, and Rick Aboni from uh, Ring of Honor. They're your commentators for the evening, and they're like, let's go. By the way, as I go through this, just for the record, I am defaulting to Sean Radican of the Pro Wrestling Torch for his recap of the event, because... It's just easier. He already wrote it. And, <laughs> and so, You're just reading someone else's work? No, I'm just reading his like recap of what happened so that like when I have to say the following, the teams were already in the ring and were introduced quickly without graphics. 
Didn't get all the names, but in the match were Will Ferreira, Rhett Titus, Royce Isaacs, Thomas Lattimore, The Boys, Jay Bradley, Josephus, Dawson Brothers, Kevin Blewett, Billy Buck, and one other team. So uh, right away, you can tell that he was not paying attention because they definitely had graphics every time they announced the team. Um, When they announced The Boys, it popped up. It was very quick, and it said... The boys at it the bottom. It was very unassuming, those graphics. Yeah, were. but there were still graphics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guess that's a good thing to start off with, too. I loved the aesthetic of the whole thing. They had, like, a very early 80s feel, or, like, just general 80s feel, I guess, with, like, even the computer graphics. The mat was, like, an NWA, like, old-school logo. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't even the current logo. It was... Very old school. Well, you could yeah. tell it was what became the the like the classic yellow WCW on the blue. You know, like how that evolved. Like you could see that where they got that from in that old NWA mat. And then the uh, the actual brackets were very uh, uh, mid valley karate tournament esque. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah, it was exactly that. I heard you say, Fred, that it, it was like an old eighties video game or something well, yeah, the uh, the pictures leading into each one yeah, like, it was like very a, pixelated and it, and, yeah. yeah i just kind of enjoyed that look it was it you know, like very a, much like choose your fighter yeah you like know? an arcade game it's like we were playing an arcade game of, yeah uh, of nwa i thought that was kind of cool uh so they did establish that in this battle royal the teams can't be eliminated until both partners are tossed onto the floor so the the battle royal was just kind of a chaos thing. it's a battle royal They're, yeah battle royals are just it is what it is. Exactly. You know, maybe you'll yeah. get a couple cool spots. I don't. I don't remember any really standout spots in this one, but it was it, battle royals are just chaos until there's like maybe four guys left, and then it becomes a short wrestling match. Yeah, I think at the time, and I, I, I guess I should say I was at this event live. I didn't know anybody in this match honestly, except for Josephus. I had seen Jay Bradley, obviously. I mentioned. I met Tom Latimer and uh, Royce Isaacs at a VIP meet and greet the <laughs> night before. They were cool as shit, so I was super into them, which is unfortunate because everybody fucking hated them. <laughs> but I was all for them, and I was like, I don't know what to do because... Hated them because they're heels. Yeah, they were really cool at this thing I was at. Gary has a hard time yeah. uh, associating with the plebes who couldn't afford the VIP event. He was like, no, guys, no. really, if you get to eat dinner with them, they're really awesome. How am I best supporting them? Is it by cheering them or should I just be like really hateful towards them? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> just so, halfway through the match, one of them turns to you and was like, Gary, what the fuck? We were cool. I mean, me and you were all, we we've always been like, Pulling for the heels. Though. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's like I'm like naturally I pull for heels. I just do, but I'm like, what is the best way to support these guys? Because I love them. Should I just be like, I hate you. I hate everything about you. And then I and there's I can't help it. There's a part of me that's like they'll be like, man, why was I thought, I thought we, we were, were cool. cool. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> we were cool last night. Now he's. Now he's like really angry and I don't know why. Did I say something wrong? The scary guy? As soon as this is over, I'm sliding into his DMs. I I just, I got to find out. You up? (laughs) Basically, it gets down to Jay Bradley and Josephus and the boys, which is, I feel like a weird team name for... It's based on the the Garth Ennis 
A comic book, I believe. I don't know. It was two young black men, so I feel like it's like mildly racist for some reason, and I'm not sure why. But well, there's the boys, and then later there's dim boys. Yeah, I know. It's a different team, but it's different because they're not two young black men. What are they? I don't know. I just feel like <laughs> I feel like they're just dirty. <laughs> They have that look about them. <laughs> they do look unkempt. Yeah. <laughs> Unwashed. They And yeah. to be clear, we're not talking about the boys when I say dirty. We're talking about them boys them when boys. I say they yeah, look Yeah, we're going to get to them. Uh, Josephus and Jay Bradley finally charged it. The boys or wait. Yeah, the, the boys. boys. The boys. The boys. The boys. Who are twins. Who are twins. And one's differentiated because he's got a little bit of bleach in his hair. Sure. And one they pull do what the, you got to do to, to yeah. tell them apart. I believe you. And they pull the ropes down. Jay Bradley and Josephus get tossed over. But during the Battle Royal, Thomas Latimer and Royce Isaacs had gone out through the middle rope. So they wait until this moment and they charge in and then they throw out the boys. They win the tournament and thus the wild card spot to move on and actually enter the Crockett Cup tournament. What are their names? Thomas Latimer. And Royce Isaacs. And they had never teamed before. They had never teamed before. You've seen Royce Isaacs, if you follow the NWA uh, YouTube channel, Royce Isaacs does get a match against Nick Aldis at one point. He faces Nick Aldis right after... Is he the one in the skirt? No, no, he's, he's the, the one with the, the fringe, the booty okay. tassels, the booty, the bo- booty, <laughs> yeah, the booty yeah, his tassels, little, his little booties, his feet. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's not what, what that sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember any booty tassels. <laughs> he has boots with tassels. <laughs> so I hope you're all still with us. <laughs> this, this is how this is gonna go. Thomas Latimer is better known as Bram or Brom from. He was in like. Impact Wrestling. Brom. Brom, yeah. B-R-A-M. King of All Evil. He was pretty successful in Impact, but is now better known probably in tried and true pro wrestling for the pop-up event. He did show up for the NWA slash tried and true pro wrestling event and take out Jay Bradley, but there's a whole episode about that. Anyway, these two guys end up winning the tournament. There there wasn't much else to say about this. I think we talked long about this. It's a... Battle Royal, and it had a Battle Royal ending, which is two guys hid outside of the ring for a while and then came back in. It's been done a hundred times. Right. It wasn't particularly special. It was just, I think it was a way to establish them as willing to do what it takes. Yeah, like they're heels. They're clearly heels, and they're going to cheat to win if they need to. Not that that's cheating, but it's dirty. It's technically legal, but yeah, it's just like a underhanded. Way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I mean, in terms of you letting us know how large the field was for the original Crockett Cups, and this one being obviously a much smaller field, I actually kind of appreciate having known that now because it makes the the battle royal feel more important. Yeah, it um, makes more sense that- because that's a way to get those other teams in there. You know, it widens your field, and yes, it's not a dedicated tag match, but at least you're still kind of you get to participate. That, yeah, it's like the Andre the Giant battle royal. It's like here's the guys who we couldn't <laughs> fit into other matches, so we're just gonna throw them into this. Right. I mean, at least in this one, you actually got to compete <laughs> further least, afterwards. At least in this one, it means something. <laughs> right. I'm gonna. Do, I'm just gonna talk shit about the WWE as much as possible during this. <laughs> that's podcast. fine. I mean, that's really what this is all about. <laughs> This will mark the uh, first time that they throw to Caprice Coleman 
to, to interview the winners. The and update the winners. How did, and the, he how never did this does. interview? How did this uh, this interview go, Gary? <laughs> Turns out that he didn't interview anybody. <laughs> they keep they keep throwing it to him, saying he's going to interview a winner. And at no one winners. point, um, no. <laughs> at there. one point, the commentator from Ring of Honor that looks like. Drew Carey, if he was a man-sized baby. <laughs> that was Ian... <laughs> wow, Jesus. That's Ian Riccoboni. Uh, he... he seems like a, a really cool guy. He's a great commentator. And he's got a great voice. It doesn't match his face uh, to me. I know. He seems like a really white guy who also often references things like... Meek Mill. Meek Mill. <laughs> and Jim Cornette calls yeah. him out on it. He's like, if you keep doing that, I'm going to quote the Eagles. <laughs> And, and then like, followed that up by saying, uh, you missed the stop sign and it took a left turn to, uh, it's super weird. He was not appreciating the the hip hop references from <laughs> Ian Riccoboni. But he, uh, at one point they're, they're throwing it off to, uh, what's his name? Caprice. Yeah. Caprice Coleman saying, we're going to try to get him to interview somebody. And he just makes this face like, I don't know if it's going to happen. <laughs> Like, they had no idea if the wrestlers... It's like somebody didn't send the memo to the wrestlers that they were supposed to stop for an interview. And yeah. he, and this is the point where he realizes, we forgot to tell the wrestlers. <laughs> it really is. Caprice is just kind of standing up there like, well, here's, here's, here, here's what it looks like now. <laughs> I've touched it twice. There's fingerprints on it. Also, we're going to put names on the board. <laughs> this is the Crockett Cup. That video screen's got your tournament. <laughs> But yeah, that that is a running theme throughout this pay-per-view. They go to a video package featuring Flip Gordon where he talks about uh, him being in the, in the same venue a year earlier and jacking up his leg really bad and having to not be able to finish Did a they mat. say exactly what the injury was? I know it was his knee, but... I don't think they ever say exactly what it was, but he messed up his knee and that will come into play later. Yeah, I yeah. think they like capitalize on it but basically I, I mean that was a legit thing he really did hurt his leg right but anyway they played into the story very well yeah uh so the very next match is flip gordon and bandito versus guerrero maya jr and stuka jr uh, apparently in mexico they're known as los bombardieros los bombardieros can you translate that nope the bombs i don't know mm, what is that that's mean? right Bom- the I don't know. Use Google Translate. This match went 13 minutes. Bandito ended up tossing Stuka to flip for a big F5 for the win. I thought this match was pretty great. It's one of my favorite matches of the whole night, honestly. Yeah, it was a great Um, way to start a show off. Super high energy. Yeah. And I'd never seen any of these guys. They are all amazing. The Luchadors are all incredible. And, And they're older guys, I think. The Luchadors, compared to like Flip, who's pretty young yeah flip is a young guy bendito is a young guy yeah i mean the um the other two yeah stuka maya jr and guerrero that talks about they talk about them like they've been around for they've been around for a long time uh flip has appeared in the nwa previously because he did i think this will go back to youtube rewatch number seven with maddie he got thrown in as an opponent for nick aldis for the ten thousand gold before cody rhodes that's what this this match was like super high energy and there's a lot of like i don't know i one thing about this whole tournament that was really cool to me and it started kind of with this match is that you get to see so many different wrestling styles because uh lucha libre is, you know yeah you you see those guys in american wrestling 
I mean, you've got the really famous ones that like Ray and like the guys who were coming through WCW back in the nineties. Right. Right. But you don't see a lot of that, especially now. And they have a very specific style of wrestling. Um, that is, a is very different, not just in like it's high flying and things like that. Cause these guys aren't like super high flyers. They no, it's more stuff, acrobatic. But, yeah. It's more yeah. acrobatic, but you get to see that. But also throughout this whole tournament, you get to see Japanese style of wrestling as well later on in another match. And you get to see, Honestly, in the main event, like a very British style of wrestling, at least it started that way. Correct. It's really cool to me to see all those different styles and see them mash up against other styles because Flip is a much different style of wrestler. Yeah, he's very airborne kind of, but... Yeah, it's it's, it's definitely a thing I hope they continue with, if nothing else, this event specifically. It feels more important that there are four or five different groups yeah. sending teams into this tournament to actually compete to try to win it. It makes it feel special that they all want their people to win. I feel really bad because this is like the third time I've seen Bandito and I keep forgetting who he is until I see him, yeah. like when they announce him. So when they originally announced the match as Flip Gordon and Bandito versus um, Stuka and Guerrero Maya, I assumed that the legendary luchadors would be winning that to move on and go to the next match. And then I saw them come out and I was like, oh shit, Bandito, I know who that is. But I literally keep forgetting who he is. So I feel really bad because he's amazing. He's he's really good in the ring. You know, I think they were a really good tag team together. And they were one of a couple, you know, that had never tagged before. They, they just kind of threw them together. And I think they even mentioned during that they've actually gone head to head a few times. Yeah, they so, did. They, um, they mentioned that Flip and Bandito had fought previously. You know, it's just one of those, you know, strange bedfellow situations that kind of worked out in the end. But, you know, I agree with both of you guys. It, it was super high paced. I think this is granted it wasn't the opening match, but really it kind of was, you know, the battle Royal is like we had talked about, um, on the pop-up show, that first match, you know, with the two tried and true guys would been more like your pre-show. The battle Royal would have been pre-show. This would have been your opening show in a ideal sense. And it, it's exactly what you want to get the crowd into everything. Bandito is something special. I think he especially, and then maybe even flip are going to be, those guys that when their contracts come up, you're going to see a, a big time promotion, especially yeah. in the in the place we are in wrestling. Now, those guys are going to be people are going to try to get them. My favorite part of the match, for what it's worth, Stuka up on the top rope, looking like he's going to do that, like the torpedo, the torpedo thing. But he doesn't do it into the ring. He does it out of yeah. the ring. Yeah, that was actually a really cool... <laughs> he later did it in the ring, which was really fun. He did, but... but when he's just standing on the top ropes and you're expecting him to jump into the ring onto Flip, and he jumps out of the ring onto Bandito. It's such a, a funny-looking move to me. Because <laughs> yeah. he just kind of goes like... He planks. He like, planks. <laughs> he planks in midair. Is exactly what he does. The next matchup in the tournament is uh, Royce Isaacs and Tom Lattimore are back, and they face off against the War Kings, who, at the time of this actual pay-per-view, I had chosen as my ultimate that they will win. You were wrong. Yeah, I was, because this match wasn't... What I had hoped for. Cribson and Jack Stane do get some offense in it, and they look tough, but somehow everything that 
they had built up before this literally got crumpled up and thrown to the side. Yeah, yeah. this is one of my least favorite. And I don't know the backstory with them because I have I have never seen them either. They they made them <laughs> they, look like like prior like the to Road this Warriors match. of old. Like yeah, yeah. they were dominant tag team. They they dominated. I mean, they destroyed people every, yeah. everywhere that you had seen them previous leading into this, including their match to get into it. They were they were just kicking the shit out of people. They were. And especially with Animal coming out, they had this like level of... He was like their manager. Yeah. And so they had this level of legitimacy to them even more so. Right. And it just... I well, mean, I, I think I noticed- we got done watching this, and I believe I said, what the hell? Like, as I saw the finish to this. Yeah. just like five or six minutes long. Yeah, I think it went uh, eight minutes total. Royce and Latimer win... That's it. I mean, they, they they did a little cheating throughout the match. I, I think Royce uh, ended up feet on the ropes. Yeah, yeah. for this Pitting for this him. finish, it was Royce Isaacs with the feet on the ropes. It's kind of a bummer, honestly, because the War Kings were built up as a dominant team. Royce and Tom Latimer advance, and then we move on to Jim Cornette does a promo of the rigs. The fans were happy to see him. Can, can I say um, real quick how much of a delight Jim Cornette is through this entire <laughs> this entire show? It's worth mentioning just because Jim Cornette faces he faces a lot of hate online. People so don't like him because he's old school and he says things that. So is JR. People love JR. He talks shit, but JR works for like AEW, so JR follows a script and says he toes the company line. And Jim Cornette regularly trashes AEW. He just says what he wants to say. Yeah. yeah. How dare he have an opinion? Well, I don't care what wrestling Twitter says. I like Jim Cornette. He's at least on this show. I mean, I liked him back in the day, but he's a great color commentator. He's a great color commentator. He has more knowledge in yep. this business. Is like as much as I would love to learn about the NWA, he's forgotten more than I'll ever learn. He has the knowledge, and he's quick. Well, I mean, a, a lot of that winning. comes from 40-plus years in the business. Yeah, yeah. Um, on top of the fact that, I mean, like the witty wrestling sayings aside and said what he brings to the table the most is that knowledge. I mean, when he gets on those stories about, you know, like, Oh, this group won this. And then it went to this part and it's like, okay, just keep talking. Like, just keep telling me these stories. And, you know, he'll, he will tell you about the number of people in an arena on the night that Luthez won this match against this guy. And yeah. it's just like, some people act like that's a crazy thing, but I feel like it adds weight I love everything. it. It does. Yeah. It, it really it does. adds a sense of history yeah. to it. You know, and when you're talking about the NWA, like there's so much history there that I think that that's an important thing to discuss. It's one thing I always liked about Jim Ross's commentary, right? Is that he would talk about things that happened 30 years ago when he when he he was calling matches or matches that he didn't call, but he just was always in the business. Pro wrestling has a pretty rich history. Right. You know, exactly. and these are guys who have lived through it and they're telling stories. Like, that's pretty rad. Not to mention that Jim Cornette's like little, his like down home witticisms and, and his turns of phrases that he uses are hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> they really are. You know, the, the comedy aspect is obviously it, it helps liven up the, the thing. But I mean, think about like even your guys' other show, Psychotronic Film Society. If you skipped over the backstory and the information that you guys provided, it would be an entirely different show. Yeah. It, and it, it wouldn't have the body that it has. It adds, a, um, I mean, a whole nother level to right. the proceedings. And this is the same exact thing. I would much rather listen to that than a color guy talk about 
what all of the women are not wearing. Corey, you know? oh, oh, like Jerry the King Lawler. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> Is that well, Jim Cornette goes in and he tries to establish the Rock and Roll Express who are in this tag team tournament who uh, are one of the most decorated teams of all time. Jim Cornette was always like the arch nemesis for the Rock and Roll Express with his Midnight Express. So Jim Cornette goes in to interview the Rock and Roll Express and uh, just talk about what it means for them to be back in the Crockett Cup. And they are looking great. (laughs) Well, this might have been my favorite line of the night, and it wasn't even in the pay-per-view. Justin asked, how old are the Rock and Roll Express now? And then they walked out and he went, oh, (laughs) (laughs) my favorite part of it is watching ricky morton talk about a hot cup of soup a good night's sleep and then you do it again tomorrow i'm like you didn't have a hot cup of soup no yeah that's a a hot cup of soup is what they call tequila (laughs) by the bottle that's what that was the that was the brand of cocaine they were using (laughs) right i know it's sad back in the day cocaine had brands i'm like i'll take two hot cup of soup please (laughs) come on ricky Good night's sleep. That's what he calls uh, the tang. The, the tang is a hot cup of soup. Hot cu- I paid hot $20 for a hot cup of soup, and then I went to sleep. Because it was 1986, and that's all it cost. Uh, I'll be honest. Like Going into this match, by the time I started watching wrestling as a kid, the Rock and Roll Express was not... A thing that I watched. They, they, no, they they, they, they were, were they past were, their yeah. prime so when I, I was, you know, watching early. So I've on seen too. them in like archive videos and things like that. Obviously. Right, right, never, right, right. I was no. Oh, it's safe for me. Yeah. yeah. But so I went into this thinking that this was going to be like basically like the WWE treats their legends, quote unquote legends. This which is, is an excellent point. Having yeah. them come in and do a promo, and then they become a joke, and they just get stomped. And then they had a real fucking match. Like, <laughs> they did. A good match. Like you, one of, you, one of my favorite s- matches of the night. You said at the beginning, you're like, they're going to get squashed, yeah. right? With good reason, because the Briscoes. The Briscoes that we haven't even talked oh about yet. Their, uh, their first round matchup. They're my favorite the, tag team of all time now, by the way, guys. <laughs> the Briscoes are their first round competition. And the Briscoes have an excellent Dental hygiene video. plan? <laughs> No, an excellent video is what I was going for. Yeah, that video. And then they come in, you know, the Rock and Roll Express are like trying to tell these typical, like what you'd expect, especially fitting with the theme in the 80s, babyface promos. And Jim Cornette's like, yeah, but these guys are not all about good feelings and good emotions. They don't care about you having like your moments. Without saying it, Jim Cornette tells the Rock and Roll Express like three times, they're going to kick your ass. (laughs) You should leave the building. The Briscoes show up. And Jim Cornette's like, They interrupt interrupt their interview. Yeah. And Jim Cornette's like, it's good to see you, boys. It's good to see you too, Jim. Get out of here for whoop your ass. (laughs) That's kind of how the Briscoes are. I love them. (laughs) <laughs> they're great i mean I, i'm always a big fan of heels anyway i think bad guys are way more fun but they just there's something about bad guys with personality are better yeah and, and i i think that they they're like their promo like the video package promo before it was a great video promo and i'm i was on board with them during that but right. then like they're really good wrestlers like oh, really good they're so good i was curious about them while we were watching it so i looked them up on wikipedia and like they they were with tna and they they've been in the 
business for a long time. I mean, they both have gray in their beards, you know, right, like right. they're not young whippersnappers. So they, you know, maybe they had those opportunities, but maybe they feel like these guys are letting us do this weird thing that we're doing. They're just letting us where we're just, just, do just whatever we want to do. We're just swamp people from Delaware, <laughs> right. which is such a weird combination. But I mean, this, I mean, this was the first time I had been introduced to them, you know, actually seeing them. I knew, I know who the Briscoes are. I've heard of them. I've, I, they're a huge team. So I obviously am aware of them, but I had never really seen them before. My immediate thought was, I need to see this team and the Usos. I want to see that yeah, match at I some point. Totally like, that'd be a good match. Yeah. If I were building a wrestling promotion with, I don't know how much money you need to make it happen. $1,700. Wait, so are we shifting the Patreon from Gary's network to let's start a, a promotion with the that 17 Gary Wrestling Alliance, the GWA, GWA. All I'm saying is if the NWA was interested in who are the people that could change the landscape of wrestling that would be worth you investing in, Briscoes would 100% be a team. They should be superstars. Yeah. I mean, mean, they're big in the Ring of Honor world, which is not, I guess, like, just like NWA, not mainstream, like, but they deserve to be huge. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so they end up getting into this match with the Rock and Roll Express, and uh, and they, the Rock and Roll Express, by the way, they don't they don't like, roll over. No, they like yeah, they put up a good showing they, for sixty year old men. Yeah, uh, uh, Ricky Morton does a couple of pretty big spots. Uh, he for looks a, for he, a, he looks better than he has any right to. He does a does is it like a Hurricane Rana? He does towards the beginning. He of does, it? yeah. <laughs> he and does then he does, and then he does a head first dive through the ropes later on. Yeah. Like this man. And when he did that, I was legitimately worried about him. <laughs> He gets blood. They take a beating. The Briscoes end up coming out on top. Uh, Sean Radican for PW Torch said, This was a lot of fun. They went full speed from start to finish. And although the Rock and Roll Express weren't always smooth, they showed they could still pull off a good match. Yeah, there were a couple moments age. where like, I, I would see one of them throw a punch that was very clearly not connecting, like it was six inches off. But, you know, But for the most part, they impressed me for a couple of guys who have been doing this for 40 years yeah i mean yeah. There, there were definitely areas you could see the the style clash between the old school yeah. like per, you know protect yourself and your opponent and then what the briscoes do which is just balls to the wall like yeah so the next matchup was villain enterprises brody king and pco versus satoshi kojima and yuji nagata both of whom are from new japan is that right yeah new japan Nagata is a former NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Like, he has held that at one the point. The 10 pounds of gold. The 10 pounds of gold. Kojima is, uh, I think they said, the IWGP Champion, like, multiple times. Yeah. He's been in that G1 tournament every... God, I wish I could remember the years. I should have wrote that down. But he was in it for, like, several years. Like, every year, he was at least in that tournament, it which was, is a... It was a big tournament. I think it was like 1999 through it was like 2017 or something. Yeah, like. it was like a ridiculous I, amount. I think they. I think if that, if that, if memory serves, because Jim Crockett was talking about it. I think Jim Crockett, or maybe it was the other guy. I think Jim Cordette. Yeah. Oh yeah, Jim Crockett's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I think it was actually the other guy from Ring of Honor talking about it, whose name I can't remember. Enrico Bobby. 
Man baby. Man baby. <laughs> Drew Carey. Drew baby. Carey. No, I, I know it was 99, and I think it was through, I want to say 2017, because I remember thinking 18 years. So that's a long time, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the big thing is is that they, they both are legendary Japanese wrestling figures, and they're taking on PCO and Brody King, who are newish characters, too. I mean, uh, obviously, PCO is not a newish wrestler. The man's been around the block, but Brody King is relatively new, but he, he seems to have been through different territories and that sort of thing. They formed Villain Enterprises. Both those guys are really solid wrestlers. Yeah, they've got a weird style. What did you think of that, that this match, this particular match? It was a weird mix for me personally. I think so like, too. I think I, I like seeing the Japanese like style, especially that old school Japanese style, but I feel like it mixed really weirdly with their style and it I agree. it made the match it, it, I want I don't want to say low point because it's technically very well done, but it's one of the slower There were like cool moments yeah. in it. I mean, if I were ranking all of the matches this one would be near the bottom yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there are other results I'm not the biggest fan of. But as far um, as the match itself. But yeah, the, the match itself I would be probably lower. And I, I think you guys are probably spot on. It's definitely that clash in styles that makes it a little, a little, it which come off a little. Like weird. I was talking about earlier is one of the interesting things about this whole event is seeing the different styles. But in this particular case, I feel like had the Japanese wrestlers maybe faced someone who, whose styles meshed a little bit better. Well, you think like if you, if you switch now, obviously it would have changed results and, and things like that. But if you switched to where, you know, you're the two new Japan guys face Guerrero Maya and Stuka in the first round, that would have been an interesting style clash. Yeah, for sure. And then you could have put Flip Gordon and Bandito with the much bigger, like, PCO. And yeah, but you wouldn't have got that great first match with all these guys. Well, no, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It would have changed a lot of things, but you like would have got those, like, fast high flyers right. with the, like, powerhouse team, and that always kind of, it's kind of works fun, well. You guys don't stray too far from the uh, PW Torches analysis of it, by the way. Radican says uh, this was good at times, but seemed disjointed down the stretch. Didn't really build to a crescendo. So we know what we're talking about. Yeah, look at that. So that. he says that. Uh, Caprice Coleman ran down uh, an updated brackets. I think they threw to him again to be like, yep. hey, why don't you interview the winners? Interview the winners of this one. And <laughs> I feel like stage. maybe they were leaving in a different direction than yeah. Caprice was standing, and so there wasn't even a chance for him to they talk to anybody. Per- see, like I want to see the backstage video of him be like, "God, y'all, what the fuck?" <laughs> they needed that one person on stage, like at the Oscars, where somebody like accepts their awards and walks the wrong way, and then so there's that one person that like their job corrals them and hurts is them. to turn Russell Crowe around and say, "Go this way." They needed that person. Caprice, he's been standing there for the whole show. We're paying him to be here. (laughs) He's sitting up on the stage just kicking his feet like a kid. (laughs) (laughs) Technically, the next matchup is Allison Kay versus Santana Garrett for the vacant. Don't forget, made Usa in her whole Well, I was getting there. Yeah, I'm going to go pee while you guys talk about this, just like I did during. Keep talking, Gary. Medusa comes down to the ring. This is you the know, saddest I don't thing wanna, you will see the entire show. I don't want to be disrespectful. It's my problem, and this is the worst part of the show. I don't necessarily think it's disrespectful to admit that this was not a Medusa who was all there. 
seemingly. Like she seemed lost she or confused or not unprepared would be a good word. Like it just, I've seen her speak recently way better than she did here. She had her iPhone in front of her trying to like make sure you could obviously see she was trying to hit some key points. I will say this. Jazz, it's worth noting, during this time and, and still to this day, I don't 100% know exactly what happened, but she announced on Twitter like a week prior to this event that due to some medical situations, she would be unable to attend Crockett Cup. They call it an injury and, in this. I'm yeah. back, by the way. Hey, welcome back. <laughs> they call she, they they refer to it and it's an injury on the show. Yeah, so she says that basically it works out she has to relinquish the NWA cha- women's championship. And so she does. And so in her place at the VIP events, Medusa is there. So they just called her Medusa and uh, I don't know to I, have I an mean, extra I person assume maybe that's the case. Like maybe Medusa had no prior plans of being there and it was just like we got to pay for somebody let's get medusa and they brought her in i'd be interested to know exactly what happened there but i know that at the vip event medusa filled in for jazz and then here she was presenting the new nwa women's championship belt and it was uh, awkward she like everything to, she, she said to, seemed weird she seemed to be forgetting her sentences halfway through them. I mean, I think I told you guys like in the show, this is the moment that's going to get really odd. I remember being in the crowd and being like, what is going on right now? (laughs) M-A-D-U-S-A, made in the USA. Someone needs to tell that woman how to spell. Correct? What did happen was that Allison Kay was already a part of it and, and she knew Santana Garrett. Allison Kay did? Yeah, Allison Kay. Where did Santana Garrett come from? That is interesting. Allison Kay got to recommend Santana Garrett. Do you know where she was wrestling before? Both of them had been in a bunch of independent stuff, but I don't know. So they had worked together previously? Yeah, I think they had worked together previously. Oh, because that did not show. (laughs) I 100% hated this match this whole night a lot of this night and i mean we'll get to you know at the end wrap up is a is a lot of like me not liking the results the product is enjoyable but not liking the results uh we've talked on multiple shows well i mean we've talked recently about my issues with nwa and how they handle the women's division and, and not having those clean victories and you know having a really good match with jazz and penelope ford and it not having the clean result and then having a great match with jazz and ali impact and it not having a clean result and now jazz isn't there and they have the the clean result finally with two people that had no seemingly chemistry with each other no build-up no anything and it it just bothered me that I don't know. There, it was like, okay, now you guys are getting on track, and you had two great matches. I would have preferred to see, even if we left Allison K out of it for the time. I know she was already scheduled, but bring in like a Penelope Ford or an Alley Impact back in who had already shown that they, you know, are providing quality product. I, I, I don't know. I, I didn't like this one at all. I could see that Allison K comes out on top and. This one, this this match, I I don't think I hated it as much as Fred, but I was just kind of like, whatever. This is nothing impressed me about it. If we, I mean, if I didn't have the the buildup of the last couple events that I've watched, where I I have the critiques of the past women's championship right. matches, 
I probably wouldn't have the strong feelings I do for this because, I mean, one of the things we talked about specifically was they they kind of kept dimming Jazz's run because they weren't giving her like either clean dominating victories or right. like a clean result. And in this, they finally have a women's match for the title and they let Allison K win one, two, three with no... You know, none of the same issues they were having, and right. it just seemed, I don't know, like you have that quick exit by Jazz, and this almost seems like a slap in the face to, you know, someone who she's been very outspoken about, I don't just want to represent the women, I would also like to hold the 10 pounds of gold. They kind of turned that at the pop-up event, and they were like, oh, she wants her own. No, no, she still wants the 10 pounds of gold. Yeah. PW Torch, uh, the Sean Radican analysis says the crowd never got into this, and the action never really went anywhere. It was just kind of an exchange of moves. The next thing that happens is uh, it goes to a video package on Nick Aldis, and then Caprice Coleman is ringside with the Midnight Express. I have to assume that he thought they maybe won a match. <laughs> finally. <laughs> so they just wandered over to talk to him, and he's like, finally someone wants to talk to him. Sweet Stan Lane, beautiful Bobby Eaton, lover boy Dennis Codry. They, they each, you know, essentially have words for the crowd. So anyway, it was cool to see the uh, Midnight Express back all together all at once. That was a neat little segment just there. Just to, Obviously, the NWA cares a lot about giving respect to the past, which I appreciate. So the next thing up is uh, Flip Gordon and Bandito versus Royce Isaacs and Tom Lattimore. This is a uh, semifinal matchup. Royce Isaacs and Tom Lattimore come out on top after eight minutes to advance. To the finals after that, they play up that leg injury by Flip that they mentioned yeah. earlier. Yeah, that, he, that's the big trick he here. Do, that, it, ironically, does a flip and then hurts his knee. Actually, okay. it's like a double flip. What do you call that? Four fifty. Sure, it's a it's a fun match, but I liked their previous match better. I honestly am a little bored with uh, Isaacs and Latimer. Like, I don't think they're like bad, but they don't impress me as much as some of the other teams in the tournament. Well, it's a little weird because they're trying to establish these guys and they are not a team. So I get the criticism. I don't know if they're trying to give a little bit of a excuse for Isaacson Latimer winning here because there is the moment where they like just like pause in the middle of the ring and start doing the floss. Yeah, they went to go do like a double dive out and uh, Flip stops them and says, first we got to dance. Yeah, that's completely out of character from what we've seen from that team now granted it's been a match but it just seemed weird in that placement and i mean this was another one where you know we've we've seen the shady tactic in the battle royal we saw them cheat to win um their first match and now in this one as well even though flip does have that knee injury this time it's latimer who um, grabs the tights in the roll-up. I mean, I'll give them credit. They had established that leg injury previously in the show, so it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I I think at this point, Justin, you were hoping for, like, Flip and Bandito versus, like, the Briscoes, but now Tom and uh, Royce have advanced to the finals of the tournament. I still say my finals would have been better. There, I said it. They should have hired me to book this thing. Maybe. So the next matchup is the Briscoes versus PCO and Brody King. This is the semifinal. This match just ends up in a a pure brawl. They get out of hand. They end up starting to bring in chairs and... It's a crazy match. Yeah. And a a fun match. it's, It's... 
a lot of fun. You appreciate the Briscoes. You appreciate PCO and Brody King. They bring in a lot of stuff. They end up getting those chairs and they're like slapping the apron. They get in and PCO's arms already been kind of jacked up. Hey, d- did you notice when the uh, commentators said that he was not human? Did you notice that part? Wait, are you telling me PCO it's, is not he's human? He's not human. They mentioned it during the show. Which, I think I might have missed that. Which <laughs> time specifically? Thousand times they said PCO's not human. I Turns out Gary decided to play a game where he took a shot every time they said that PCO's not human. Yeah, and that's that why sounds I'm about the right. Way I am. <laughs> but uh, so PCO ends up with an arm injury, but well, they do a cannonball onto his arm with a chair on it. Yeah, but right before that, the ending of the match is that Brody King ends up hitting one of the Briscoes with a chair, and the other retaliates by hitting Brody King with the chair, and the referee happens to only see Brody King swinging the chair. And Which it's a bull. It's bullshit. It's a bullshit. Or only sees the Briscoe hitting the chair and calls the disqualification yeah. against the Briscoes. They get disqualified and they freak the fuck out. They start decide to fuck shit up. Yeah, and I don't blame them. It's it was a shitty call on the part of the ref. They start just like wrecking everything. Snot rockets on the ring apron. They end up setting PCO's already injured arm, like wrapping it in a chair, then piling other chairs on top of that chair. One of them does a moonsault or something onto... It's like a flipping cannonball. Yeah, onto his arm and just wrecking that arm. This was a good match. I liked how crazy they got. And I like that... I also liked that the commentators were explaining why the ref wasn't calling the match previously. Like, oh, we're just going to let him go. But then they kind of messed that up by him calling it as a... DQ. The commentators were like building a good story as to why he's going to let them kind of go all out. He's like, yeah, but this is an important match. The ref knows when to call and when not. And then the ref calls the match. I mean, I get the ideas that you send villain enterprises into the finals. You have an injured PCO. So what's going to happen? But it's just been cool to get like a finish here or something. Yeah. But like Justin said, if it were me, this is not who would have moved on. The Briscoes would have moved on if I'm I'm picking this, but you know they went the way they went, and maybe there's more more behind that that people that have watched all the way through are aware of. I would have chosen differently in this case. So the very next match we get is Willie Mack versus Colt Cabana, NWA National Championship. This is he, my introduction to Willie Mack, though. Yeah, he's fun. Like he's yeah. he's a blast. I've said it multiple times. I'll say it again. He he like had that little introduction video. He talks about you look at me and you think I'm going to come in like a dump truck and then I do my thing. And he does not move like a man the size that he is. It's, yeah, it's which is something amazing. that the uh, commentators frequently comment on. Yeah, like they fat shame him a little bit. You don't expect they like, literally Willie Mac to move like no, Guerrero you, Maya Jr. No, like, you definitely then, don't. But then, like, also the commentators are like, his cardiovascular health is. It's like, are you saying that he's too fat? And he's going to have a heart attack in the middle of the ring, and that's what you're saying right now. But he does. Like, it is surprising to see him move as swiftly as he's, he does. He's really quick and athletic. And this is a decent match, Fred. You have had an issue previously with Colt Cabana being. Yeah, having a lack of seriousness in terms of, you know, what he's presenting. And I felt like he doesn't take what he's doing as serious as he should. Go one way or the other. If you're going to be the comedy guy, be the comedy guy all the time. 
Um, or if you're going to be the the wrestler, be the wrestler all the time. But why? He, I mean, I, I, why can't you be both? I'm, I'm not because like... he's shitty at it, and it's annoying. And like, <laughs> so it, he's not doing enough of either one thing okay. to be good at those things. Okay. Like, I mean, I've got no opinion on it. Yeah, no. I, I don't have so, anything invested in it. I'm just saying, like, there are have been plenty of wrestlers who are both funny and talented. Right, and they are good at both. Right, he's in my opinion not. You don't um, think he's a good wrestler? I think he's a pretty good wrestler. I I don't. I mean, I, I mean, I think he's fine. But if he focused more on that, I think he could be better. And then once he was at that level where he was giving that every time, if he wanted to focus on the the more entertaining and and jokey side, and then get better at that. But he, I mean, even that just comes off as annoying. I mean, I don't know. There's just something about him that rubs me the wrong way. Like, I, I just, I've, I've never really liked him. I have no problem with him from what I've seen. I've only seen a few matches of his, but he was not like joking around or anything during this match. No, well, and this was, I mean, they, they mentioned it, and this was a definite departure from the, the previous time you see him for, you know, this podcast and, and that kind of thing, where he, he definitely seemed to be taking this more seriously. He still does some things. Um, and then, like, even afterwards, when he has the interaction, um, that he does after the match, he's doing some of those things that it's like, okay, you're this guy's doing a, a promo to build this division to build what's going to come next, and you you're just being a dick about it. Like what, what Fred's talking about is that um, it ends up that Colt Cabana wins the match against Willie Mack uh, with a which is a fucking travesty, by the way. <laughs> it's a good match, though. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a pretty solid match, but they do try to play up this idea that that Cole Cabana has started taking things seriously because it is a common criticism amongst some wrestling fans that Cole Cabana never seems to take anything seriously, and then that's part of the deal. You act like you're trying to win matches, so I I don't dismiss what Fred's saying in that part of it. Cole Cabana does seem serious or more serious during this match but he ends up getting the pinfall, wins the national championship. There's a lot of ways to go on why that ended up happening. I think that uh, it has something to do with Willie Mack's deal with Impact Wrestling, why he ended up having to drop the title here. So I don't know that it was always the idea that, that Colt would win, but here we are. So at the end of this, we see James Storm enter the ring, and he establishes... That essentially, I think the NWA is working against me. I'm going to work my way back into the NWA. And my first step towards that is going to be taking the national championship from you, Colt. I think to what Fred's saying is that even though that seems like a straightforward enough program, Colt still has these like facial expressions. It's little mannerisms that he does in reaction yeah. to, and it's not... It's not a reaction that you would have. I mean, you just won this belt. You're either going to be fiercely defending it or you're going to be scared of this guy, but you're not going to be it, it just there's nothing genuine in what he's how he's responding to James Storm. And that's the kind of thing that that irritates me about him. Okay. You know, like it, you could be buddies with James Storm, but he's he's here to tell you like, "Hey, happy you won. I'm here to beat you up and take I mean, that we'll see later what happens when best friends have a belt on the line. It's not those mannerisms like it's it's real but again i mean and i've said it before when i talk about it, that's just my opinion on him if you know other people enjoy him and don't have that same opinion like 
that's that's cool. Like I can understand that. I don't I don't have to like every one that everyone else does, and people don't have to dislike somebody just because I don't connect with them in that way. Right. If there was that thing with impact, and that's why they had to get the belt off Willie Mack in this case. I, I mean, I can understand that, but as a a fan and someone who has over the past couple of shows talked about how much I really enjoy watching him wrestle. That was super disappointing. I was not thrilled to see him lose this match. I think this was another situation where at the end of it, I was like, what the fuck? And Gary was like, yeah, I knew you weren't going to like that. (laughs) Yeah. So then we move on and it's time for the finals of the Crockett Cup. Crockett Cup of the NWA Tag Team Championship belts are brought down to ringside. Billy Corgan and Joe Coff from Ring of Honor. Amy Rose, she's at ringside and uh, they bring the Crockett Cup down and the NWA Tag Team titles. They present all of it with the Crockett family there they are and uh, it's time for the matchup Thomas Latimer, Royce Isaacs versus PCO and Brody King everybody ends up in the ring PCO, Brody look more beat up than the rest of everyone oh I'm sorry right before all of this uh, Caprice Coleman interviews Nikita Koloff in the ring and also uh, ends up talking to Magnum TA. I think he was just fanboy. Like He was like kind of giddy to talk to these guys. Which, is, which is actually kind of cool to see. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. He was super excited to talk to all of them. Medusa comes out with Thomas Latimer and Royce Isaac. She back! I think Justin said like they couldn't get her to go, so they just made her a manager. <laughs> <Yeah>. Like <laughs> Medusa, please leave. No, I'm staying. All right, yeah. well, right, just walk out with just these guys. Walk out with these guys. But I, I can guess. see, <laughs> um, you know, like with that backstory Gary said about how they brought her in for like the VIP event, I could see them kind of justifying having to pay her to come in to do that. Yeah. To be like, okay, well, if, we'll if you you're going to be work. here, can you, you know, do this manager thing and come out and introduce the belt? Like, you know, get a little bit more than just have her show up for the the VIP and then, yeah, all right. Thomas Latimer and Royce Isaacs versus PCO and Brody King. Seven minutes. Pretty quick. short match, yeah. yeah. Like I think not- it was probably the fastest of all of the, the matches. Because, yeah. I mean, the oh. other two that... Isaac and Latimer had tag team matches. Were, eight match- were eight minutes, so this even beat their previous two matches. Biggest moment is probably that PCO has the jacked up arm and he gets uh, Brody King to fix his arm. Yeah, by- he relocated his shoulder. It had been misplaced the entire match. It's a and- weird way to relocate a shoulder, obviously. Right. PCO wins it with a... A moonsault there's again a, for a guy his size. I mean, there's there's a couple of, of bigger guys on here that did that do some impressive stuff. Nikita Koloff, Magnum PA, congratulate Brody King of PCO, and then we end up Magnum in, PA. Yeah, Magnum TA. <laughs> you are confusing not, with Magnum PI. Yeah, not Magnum TA and not Magnum PI. Not Magnum Mag- PA. Magnum PA. Yeah. TA. Magnum PA. TA. Not what you said. Terry Allen is his name. Anyway, <laughs> it's been a long night. Here we go. Legendary NWA referee Tommy Young with the pre-match instructions. Tommy Young has uh, apparently been a referee for many, many NWA championship matches. So that was kind of cool that they at least appreciate the referee. So they decide that Brian Hebner is going to be the referee in the ring and Tommy Young will be outside. He He's kind of cool. Like he tries to do the checkup on everybody and it's like, and remember you're not fighting, you're wrestling for this match. 
They did not listen. Yeah, they didn't. So he tries to get him to like shake hands. Girl finally offers a fist bump, and Hebner holds that title belt up. Uh, What I did appreciate is that like he holds that title belt up, and people cheer. I think that's kind of special. That's not a thing that happens for like other world titles. Anyway, so here you go, Nick Aldis versus Marty Skrull. I think it's a great match. Yeah, I, I thought they had a, a really, really good match. The British style great... wrestling that you're talking about, the world of sport, British wrestling, mm-hmm. Jim Cornette refers to it as like, oh, the kids now call it chain wrestling. Like, that's kind of cool. Marty Scroll pulls the, I think I refer to it like as an Eddie Guerrero type move. Like he pretends like Camille trips him at one point. Yeah, to get her removed from ringside. And that other ref was sitting right by her. To to his credit, that's Tommy Young. And I think that he tries to say, like, I I didn't see anything. But, you know. Then he abides by what Hebner laid down. So he tells her she's got to go. Yeah, I think when when Aldis is arguing with him, he's like, that's the way it is. There's a lot of really good storytelling in this match, I think. It starts off with that much more technical chain-style wrestling. But then it escalates throughout the match until it gets like really intense and it's all out it's not quite an all-out brawl no but but it's very gritty yeah like you know it's it's two guys that are hashing out some some feelings and like you can tell i mean they they do that build-up story and you know there's times where nick aldis is you know backstage rooting for Marty Skrull in certain situations. He wants him to be Ring of Honor champion. Um, and he, he says that, you know, it'll be good for business. He figures if he wins that belt, he's not going to challenge for the 10 pounds of gold. They can be a tag team, go into the Crockett Cup and win it. And, you know, that's what he's looking at. And then there's Skrull who, you know, feels like, okay, well, you know, you've done all these things for me. You've taught me all of this. Um, you're, you've taken me to this level. I'm going to show you exactly what level I'm at now and for me that includes holding that belt that you have and you know it's two guys kind of working through those emotions of what that means to their like personal life and friendship and and that kind of stuff and I mean it gets you know I mean there's one shot where um, Nick Aldis stops Camille from after she sneaks back down you know taking Skrull out and his reward for that is girl kicks him in the, in the balls it, it feels like these guys are really close so they're like oh i'm gonna pull out all stops to yeah. try to beat you well it's kind of so i mean it's gonna... the opposite of kind of how we felt on that women's title match where there wasn't a lot of chemistry there and there's not really anything going on i mean this was the exact opposite these yeah. are the two guys that are super comfortable with each other for, they, for sure yeah they clearly work well there's just everything kind of comes together like yeah i mean it, this is like this is the kind of wrestling match that like you remember because it's it's not just a bunch of big spots. I mean, there are a couple of you know, big spots, but it's a it's a lot of just like really solid storytelling in the ring which you don't get a lot in wrestling anymore. At least I mean, there aren't a lot of wrestlers who can do that. You know. I agree. And there are guys who can take a big bump or do something crazy that you're going to remember, but that's not the same as like continuing the story through the match itself. Yeah, and we've talked about that before, um, you know, when discussing certain things and and some of the shows that the the matches that end up seeming like spot fests, you know, that's today's wrestling. Right. Um, because it's, can you get the, the crowd chanting, holy shit, or this is awesome, based off of some big giant move you did, as opposed to, you know, I, I guess maybe for me, this goes all the way back to growing up and loving the technical aspect, having you know, favorite wrestlers that were like Brett and Owen Hart, guys that could do this type of thing that, 
it would now be considered boring. I mean, we've we've since seen. Uh, I think Cody and Dustin use blood to good effect, but the, this now, movie that match this, and it was fantastic. The Cody and Dustin match. Yeah, and this match was a little bit before that that they bust out the blood, but it, it was just like one of those times that blood mattered. It yeah, was it's just not, like it's it not felt like back brutal. in ECW days or even in. The WWE hardcore title days where somebody was bleeding on every episode of Raw. It used to be if somebody was busted open, it was as a result of something big. You know, it was yeah, during a, in a is, match that really mattered. Well, this then it ramped up. So you you also yeah. had the concern for them and, mm-hmm. you know, what's going to happen? Are they going to stop this? Is, you know, is there going to be a situation where he's not able to continue? It added more gravity to the situation because, I mean, you get to that point, like, let's say they have to stop the match because Nick Aldis can't continue. Does Skrull win the belt? Is that how they're going to transfer right. the 10 pounds of gold? Is right, because right. he got busted open, is literally bled out? in in the ring i mean i i can see that point a hundred percent so anyway uh nick aldis ends up of course with kingsland cloverleaf and that'll do it every time marty scroll taps out they end up getting up together and i was surprised like even the the purchase that i had of it on fight tv we we got to see that after the match happened i mean they kind of even played out the commentators where the pay-per-view would have normally ended you got to see a little bit of them talking it out afterwards marty Skrull, mutual kind of respect yep. yeah acknowledging that nick aldis he, he thought that there was nobody better to hold that 10 pounds of gold and and nick aldis acknowledging that marty's girl was a superstar and self-made I don't know. It's just kind of nice seeing that respect for each other, I guess. Yeah. And it, it was just not all matches have to be like some kind of hate filled blood feud. During the like, match, they were ruthless. But once the match was over, they were like, yeah, all right. right. It, what's done is done. And and it made sense. I mean, the buildup that they gave it, you know, they're best friends. They're having not necessarily even a falling out. Skrull just wants the the respect of let me challenge for this belt yeah. you know if you don't then clearly it must mean you think i can beat you and then there's that proving ground and that proving ground is the story we get to see and at the end you know it can go one of two ways and you know one of them could be ungracious in win or loss and instead they have that mutual show of respect that justin talked about you know right and, and that's another thing that you don't often see yeah you know like that's a, you call back to the the first time you get that like jeff hardy versus the undertaker and they they let him actually seem like he's gonna win for a while and at Dude, the end that's, a, that's one i still to this day think about yep yeah the, the, at the end he actually like picks him up and he gives him respect you know like you went all out you know like that type of thing yeah it's few and far between and when they happen they stick in your mind right after the match they hug it out, but shortly thereafter, Skrull comes back in with the, you know, the microphone and he calls him back in. At that point, it could go any way. Yeah. And instead, right. it's that, you know, mutual, you know, show of respect. And, and he tells him, you're the most deserving of this belt. And I mean, you'll get situations in that someone will lose that match and they're going to have a, an excuse for whatever it is. There's no excuse from Skrull. I lost. You were the better man. Yeah. Marty Skrull is going to end up going wherever he ends up going, and it'll probably be WWE or AEW, most likely AEW. I'm, I mean, that's my personal guess, but wherever he ends up going, 
he was doing his best to establish his friend's brand here that this is legit and you are the man that earned it. It's just another step, I think, that the NWA took to building themselves up to a relevant brand. Again, they're not working off of Jacksonville Jaguar money. They're not AEW. They're not like trying to compete directly, but they are trying to slowly build themselves up over time. And Nick Aldis, part of his story, uh, you know, if you watch the 10 pounds of gold prior to this, he, he has a whole statement about my job is to make this title matter. My job is to make this mean something. And pretty soon my job is to make you stop doubting the heights that we can achieve with this belt. And that's always stood out to me is that he says that their goal is to eventually be at the top of the mountain. They know that they're still working their way there. So for me personally, this worked. It worked as another step towards that goal. This was as much fun as I had ever had at a wrestling event. And even rewatching it on this night, I was like, this is still a fun wrestling pay-per-view. It's a good pay-per-view. I, obviously, I, I've been able to do more of these than Justin has recently, so I've been able to see more of his matches. But going back to even the initial, like, Nick Aldis, Tim Storm championship match, you know, the first time when he loses before he actually wins it, I think Aldis's matches have gotten better and better every single time. And this is another one that's like the next step. It's just a better match than the one before. And it could be being with his friend or, you know, that familiarity or, you know, it's just he's rounding himself out as the type of champion he wants to be or that he is or has been the whole time. And now he's just got the better platform to show it. You know, we're just seeing him get better. So always talking about where we are to this point, I'm interested and excited to see where that goes from here. Does the next match get better? What happens? You know, those type of things. And if that's his goal and it clearly sounds like it, then, you know, I know I'm not the only one with that interest based off of what he's given us so far. So it seems as though it is a successful endeavor. He's a guy who's representing. I'm I'm as invested as anybody in this now. I want to make sure that this is the best place to be. And we're putting on the best matches possible. And we're representing ourselves as the best wrestling company. I want to see them get there because it's, it's a long road for them. The wrestling industry has changed. 2019, for all the shit that anybody would ever give Billy Corgan, he said that this very year would be a major year in wrestling. And here we are. The wrestling industry is, again, for the first time in 20 years, upended. Yeah. And uh, so he wasn't wrong. So it's exciting for wrestling. Anyway, that's all out of the way. That's Crockett Cup. We're we're at the end of this road. You have heard Fred and Justin. Fred, where are you on the internet for uh, people to find you? Still on Instagram and Twitter at O'Reilly underscore Fred, O-R-L-Y underscore Fred, and still nothing interesting to say. Is ever the self-promoter, Justin. <laughs> Justin. Where can people find you? Oh, just on the internet. No, I'm full address, full, social giving, security. I'm not giving my home address to the internet. I am at Justin underscore Bishop on Twitter and Facebook. 
and I mean not Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. All right, uh, the podcast is at the NWA Pod on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us on Facebook.com slash the NWA Pod. Also YouTube.com slash the NWA Pod, where all the curated playlists go along with these commentaries that you can hear us talking about all the special events that happen. Thank you so much for listening. He's at Rock and Roll Gary. Oh, yeah, and I am at Rock and Roll Gary, all spelled out. You're welcome. welcome. I'm your hype man. Yeah, I appreciate that. (laughs) Uh, Thanks so much for listening to this Crockett Cup episode. We've got the, like, TV show coming up. It's going to be an exciting time for the NWA. Thank you, all of you people who have sent in beautiful comments and lovely things. I'm spreading my arms out wide and touching Justin and Fred. It's very awkward. It is very awkward. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Oh!